Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical and the mundane, and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am really, really looking forward to this conversation with Damador Cardua. Damador is a relationship coach, empowerment coach, and yoga teacher. He guides couples, individuals, and groups to create better connection and communication, resolve differences, and conflict, move past roadblocks, nurture deep intimacy, find sacred love, and build happier, more enlivened relationships and partnerships. Damador also guides individuals and groups to move through patterns that are keeping them stuck, empower them in their lives, and find deeper meaning and purpose. He is also a senior yoga teacher of over 13 years and leads yoga, teacher trainings, workshops, and retreats regularly. Damanor, welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Kilkenny. Well, I'm really excited to have you. One is from our old connection of vaguely knowing each other and being in the same circle in the town of our, of our birth. And the second thing is, is because I love talking about relationships and I've kind of had on my radar for a while to have more in-depth conversation about committed partnerships, all the partnerships really in our life. I myself, not to be so astrological, but like my karma and my destiny, I'm a Libra with like five planets in Libra, the house of Libra. So I, my whole life is really, and my Dharma is so much about the one-on-one partnerships, you know, in all the ways. So I can't wait for your expertise and your wisdom for people to hear about this domain. Yeah, so I appreciate so much that you're kind of zooming out about relationship, right? And this is something I talk about a lot with my clients and with the classes and workshops that I, I teach is that relationship is everywhere, right? And relationship is the deepest sense of who we are. We come from a relationship right with our mother. We're, we're bound to our mother for, for so long. And when we grow up, we are defined by a relationship to our primary caregivers, whoever is taking care of us. And so relationship, and, and especially coming from like a yoga tradition where sometimes there's an overemphasis on like an individual realization, right? That can sometimes see an, seem at odds with relationship or even in our current culture in the West, it seems very individualistic. There's often like a de-emphasization, at least subtly, of like relationship. And so that's one reason that it, it really turns me on because it doesn't just mean a partnership, but it radiates out quite a bit to our relationship with our own selves, to our relationship with our community, to our relationship with Mother Earth, to our relationship, if you're you know, in the spiritual sense, to goddess or God or the divine such a gorgeous point and I love that there's so many things to to talk about and to jump off from that beautiful launching point let's though start with my first question I ask all of my guests really and I I have a feeling you'll thread some of what you just said into that perhaps but what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic 
that was going to be my first statement to you on the podcast is that I love the title of your podcast. It's, it's inspiring to me in a lot of ways. And it just brings, it brings up a lot for me. So I, I could go so many ways with this question. So I really love this question, but I would say to be a modern mystic, especially like in relation to what I might be talking about, we might be talking about today in the podcast is the ability to see what lies underneath or what lies deeper than we realize, right? So like, what is the mystic, so to speak, in the everyday? What are the things in the everyday that connect us to something of depth within ourselves, within our relationship with others, within this world or universe? And a reason I say everyday, uh, and that's why I like yours is called the modern mystic, is that it emphasizes like, okay, we're in a modern, we're like the material girl in the material world. I think Madonna said that years ago. We are like here now, like we're in a busy life materially. There's a lot of things happening. We're multitasking. We're doing podcasts back to back maybe. And how do we take the time and what are the tools within which we can take the time, which I'm sure you, you talk about so much in your show, to see those deeper spaces of connection, not apart from the everyday, but how they're interwoven or how they speak to us in the complexities of modern day life. And to me, that cha- that's a challenge that's exciting to think about and to explore in my own life or with the lives and journeys of clients or friends or couples that I work with or classes. I love that so much. And I feel your, your passion and your enthusiasm, which is very comparable to my own. And thank you for the acknowledgement about the title of the podcast, which contains that seed of fervor I have to about life being this gift and this challenge and this game and this, you know, hide and seek play of, like you said, of trying to go into the depths of the unseen and then weave and fully embody and work with them. And like you said, find tools to even enhance that work in the practical day-to-day life. It's so, so gorgeous what you said. And I feel like relationship, and and maybe we just call this out. I'm wondering if you feel this way too. In my own coaching work, often when people come to me, the realm of relationship is something that a lot of people even don't want to deal with if they feel like they're embarking on spiritual journey. And it's so sweet and so human and so common. Like people have an awakening or all of a sudden they get really, really excited about their working on their inner energy, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank that the topics we have here on the podcast. So I start to work with people and it's like they don't often want to move towards their relationships because their relationships are pissing them off or they think that they're the source of their unhappiness and they think that they're not as spiritual. And maybe we can start to talk about this because... When I was growing up, I've, I've lived in ashrams. I've lived in a lot of different kind of spiritual places and communities since I was a kid. I know you've been to India a lot, and I'm curious about that for you as well. But, you know, you go to a spiritual Mecca, spiritual abode, and what happens? You, you stay there for a month, and you start actually having to interact with all these people, and all your karma and all your baggage comes up, and that's how actually you get worked on, really. <laughs> You know, it's not so different from the world at all. So 
when I'm working with my own clients and people, a lot of times when they want to turn away from the relationships, I'm always telling them, no, like you go to an ashram for a month, you'll see, you'll get a supervisor who you can't stand, or you'll fall in love over a chanting situation or like whatever, you'll, you'll be in the food prep area and, you know, someone will rub you the wrong way, right? So relationships are such a cauldron and such a container for our karmic work, for our spiritual up-leveling, for the lessons we're here to learn. So do you view it the same way? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it just reminds me, I don't know the exact quote, but there, this has been thrown around so much, the Ram Das quote of like, you know, are you, if you're trying to be spiritual, like have a, spend a weekend with your parents, right? So like, which actually brings up all the dynamic and a beautiful quote, which is why Ram Das is so beloved of what you just said, because he's sort of saying, is there a dichotomy here between being spiritual and being in community with the day to day? And he's also an inv- inviting like opportunity, like what does it mean? And from my own background and where we first met locally, I was, you know, into yoga and yoga teaching and traveled to India, which I can talk more about, but I went deep into a spiritual path uh, from the East. It was so beautiful and so inspiring and speaking of mystical, very mystical. But I noticed that in my own relationship, there were like things that came up because it just happens in relationship, like you said, uh, my own partnership with my my beloved. And the spiritual stuff actually didn't help at times. I felt like I was either at a loss or I was rationalizing bad behavior unconsciously and I didn't have the tools. And that kind of woke me up. And that, that woke up in me two things. One is, how can I gain these tools that I don't think are often brought up and maybe even explicitly in spiritual communities or in, in life? Like we, when we go to high school, there's not like a class on relationship, which I think there should be. Right. You know, we can learn about, yeah, some of the more like proven time-tested ideas of how we relate as human beings, which there's tons of research on now. Anything from neurobiology to like the Gottmans who are very famous with the work that they did. So maybe say, I want to learn tools and not only that, but how can I bring these tools because they're about relationship and connection and integrate them into what is, I see as spiritual and even furthermore to your point, see them as like the crucible or a mirror within which to get to know who I am more fully as well, like on an individual basis, because that's what I see relationship as it is an opportunity for us to see our own selves deeper. If you go off into a place where you don't have to deal with anyone and you're meditating in the cave, obviously like these are, these are, this is a path you can take, but you will not see things that a loved one will bring up in you. You will not have to reckon with them. And that opportunity, if we see it as an opportunity, can be just so powerful in a journey of spiritual connection, in a journey of self-growth or self, I like to call it self-revelation, because we're kind of growing into who we already are, you know. So, yeah, so I think that that's why I love relationship and from my own experience, why it's um important to bring into our spiritual life. And when those clients of yours or people that I know kind of like are bristling against that, I think it is probably really helpful as you, you said you, you might do is to encourage them 
well, what is this relationship showing? What is happening here? What's coming up for you? Spiritual bypassing is a big, you know, term or phrase that people use, but it's, it can be very easy to say, oh, I don't want to deal with this. So I'm just going to do my practice. Totally. That's such a shadow and underbelly. So I love that you're calling that out of spiritual communities. And so true. And it, you know, becomes this question of if you're on the evolution journey and, you know, many people listening will have many different beliefs about the specificities totally. of what, what that happens, means, you know, exactly. Yeah. Like whether it's a thing or whether you're just evolving or yeah. whatever. But chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you believe you are here to, as you said, grow into more fully who you really are. Let's just call it that because I love those words and I and I really align with that. So it's like, okay, relationships, that's their function. And they're, you know, the dojo, they're the great dojo, they're the great ceremony if we turn towards them with that perspective, with that intentionality. And I know that's so much of the work that you do. It's very intentional. I can tell from the things I've heard you say in terms of let me move towards that relationship and and go deeper in as a way to know myself more fully. And and, and that's where it begins, which I love. Just saying, waking up every day and saying, how is this an opportunity? How is this an opportunity for me to grow? Yeah. That yeah. that and that's actually when I coach people that that's what I just ask. If you can have that attitude, that's a big step forward. Huge. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about a little bit more in the way of nuts and bolts are some terms that I feel like are really helpful, albeit a little hackneyed perhaps in the new age kind of modern consciousness world. But yet I do think they're really helpful because they're a little repeated often because they're powerful and they're important. So I thought we could start unpacking the words of emotional intimacy, Mm. vulnerability, and Mm. boundaries. And maybe perhaps you could, first of all, maybe even define in your own understanding and experience what those words mean to you. Because I think because of their popularity, they're sometimes used by people who don't even understand exactly what they mean you know they've gotten to that point of popularity so I think it would be really helpful for the listeners to hear your wisdom about that and then of course ways that we can integrate those concepts into our own life to support ourselves and in relationship emotional intimacy can we start there yeah yeah I love I love that phrase emotional intimacy you know and, and I guess what I would do is kind of break it down in terms of the words that are being used not that I'm some sort of grammar nerd, but how can we be intimate with our with with emotions or our own emotions and with the emotions of other people? Which already saying that boundary boundaries come up over here, right? Mm-hmm. How, because if we're looking to also become intimate, so one premise that I all, always teach is that to the, the degree that we can be with and be intimate with right? Intimacy is to, I don't know the the textbook definition, but it's to, to get into a space. Maybe that goes to the next term. These are all kind of like crossing over right now to vulnerability, right? To becoming spacious and receptive to our emotional state. The more that we can do so within our own selves, the more we understand ourselves more deeply. 
the more that we can not only understand ourselves in, in a more kind of like that kind of maybe sounds kind of masculine or sober, but to also understand our heart, like understand like, oh, what what's really uh, what's my desire here? What am I longing for? And, and I mean, I just love this because even speaking about it, it just keeps on going deeper. Right. Because then it's like you're sussing out through that intimacy with your own emotional self. What are these longings or desires and how have, are they, are they mine? Where do they come from? Are they imported from a pattern in my past? And if, and I can, if I can recognize that and love that and feel that and know it, is that also where I want to operate from now? So already just getting into being intimate with our own emotions and you might ask, well, what does that mean? If we're speaking to like men or people who identify as male it might sound like, well, uh, uh, does that mean I have to be like, you know, I'm just kind of like moving my body real flowy, like real in the feminine and real like in, or or we'll say the yin or the lunar, just feel everything. And I would say, no, I would say emotional intimacy, just like any intimacy is a titration or like a kind of dance of going into how we feel and then having an understanding of how do we then have better relationship with it, right? I mean, how do we hold it? Not just to go into it and we're just in it. Mm-hmm. But how to hold it, how to like create a boundary with it and say, oh, I know that that part of me that comes up. Just like we would a child, speaking of inner child work, like, okay, you can speak to that as an inner child. Like, I feel like you need that now and I know where it comes from. And we're going to create a little more space right now around that. That's a lot. I mean, what I'm just bringing up, we could talk about all that. But just to move forward, if we're doing that within our own self, then we have such capacity to witness all that I just hinted on with someone else in our life. And if we don't, the risk is not only do we not have the capacity to go into those depths, but we take emotion at face value, right? We take someone's response at face value. We take, you know, the way they do something at face value, which will not lead to deeper connection, right? So the the more we're able to hold space and be with and love and understand all those parts of our own self that the emotions are speaking to, we can do that for others. And the big thing in the spiritual sense, the biggest thing, of most spiritual traditions that it leads to compassion or empathy and empathy or compassion is big on the spiritual bucket list, like number one, you know, on the top of the charts, but it's also the, one of the most important skills to practice in relationship. I mean, it's like the most effing important to like be able to go deep into myself and be like, Oh wow. I could imagine if I was that person, I went deep into their experience, what that would feel like. Yeah, there's so many gems that you shared. So thank you. And to extrapolate a little bit on them, I really liked how you talked about, which is so crucial, this witnessing. I mean, that's what spiritual practice of meditation and totally. mindfulness, right, is so much about. It's that marathon of watching our mind, practicing going to that mental gym, So we understand the intricacies and inner workings of our mental sphere. And you're taking it now to that next degree, which is the modern mystic of taking that then off the cushion and 
noticing in day-to-day life, first with yourself and then with others, but we're starting with self, which I love, looking at, okay, what is this feeling? Where does it come from? Identifying all of that takes that prowess that we've practiced in meditation and mindfulness of watching, of witnessing, of understanding that when a feeling comes up, we are not the feeling. That's why we meditate to kind of practice that witness state. Then we go back. And so I loved how you described that of like knowing, okay, that emotion is this part of me. They get a voice, they get a seat at the table I understand where that part of me is coming from, or maybe I don't. And maybe then, I um, don't. Yeah. Right? Because there's so, even with like, it's amazing, yeah. even with my psychic work, not to go down too many rabbit holes, but more recently, how many things I now really realize working with psychic medium readings are stem from other lifetimes too. So I have a family who's a lot of psychologists, and I have a very psychological kind of background, but working energetically, a lot of times people have things that are from past lives that then they come into this life and they're repeating those patterns or the karmas they attract have happened psychologically in this life, but they're like even deeper. So sometimes we can't know where they're from or we can have inklings where they're from. Sometimes we can totally pack the un, you know Netflix series of our childhood and understand where they're from. But I love what you're saying because you're like, okay, this emotion I'm acknowledging and I'm exploring. Okay, then another emotion I'm acknowledging and exploring. And what you said so eloquently and pointedly, and then we can then do that for someone else. Holy, you know what? Like then that is such deep relationship when you are witnessing and then even supporting someone exploring that. Because how exciting is that if you're in partnership to be on that journey with, your loved ones and all of your beloveds. To me, this is actually really exciting. Like for some people, it might be like, that's like a lot of work, (laughs) which it is like, Oh, can it just be simple? Can we just like, you know, kiss in the sunset and everything be fine. Like some modern day romance idea. It's a lot of work, but it's almost like if you were going to like a really great restaurant, right? And it was a lot of care given to the food. And and it's like, you really taste it, right? And that's what I kind of, I mean, I'm a food person, I guess. I don't know. So I don't know if it's my Italian heritage, but I just always think about food or, but it's like what, it makes something richer. It makes our connection to someone and ourselves that much more just tasteful and, and scrumptious and all the different flavors, right? Wow. I noticed that flavor. And I noticed that flavor. Where did that flavor come from? And so that's what I, to the listeners, I would encourage you that this is the reward of this process is that, that depth and that connection is that much more, you know, spectacular and nuanced. And, and I just want to also say, you know, what's interesting with the meditation thing is that, yeah, it's very much bringing that practice like off the cushion or the mat and into the world. And I would also say, from my point of view, it's also like noticing we're not those emotions and that's coming back to self and then holding space for them. So it's not even depending on the tradition, like I'm not that, I'm not that. It's like, I'm not that and it's showing up. And what is it saying? And how can I have more choice now from capital S self? Right. Like where is my integrity now? If I'm noticing these parts of myself that aren't, that aren't f- f- who I am forever, if we're talking about spiritual stuff, they're not my soul. 
but they're there. And what do I, how do I want to employ them or not? Maybe they need to, maybe the energy of them needs to be shifted. And then when we're with someone else, to your point, which you were reflecting from what I said earlier, is that we get to go deeper into that person's experience. And then it becomes this weird, crazy, like you get to go deeper into their experience and then they show you more about your experience. If you are in a partnership, especially now other relationships as well, but a partnership will automatically bring up your stuff. Even from a, like a biological point of view, right. With like attachment science, which is a a field of relational research that like the way we attach to our caregivers, those patterns just, they come up without us knowing it. And so what is that? It's an opportunity to just throw all our crap from our childhood onto our partner. No, it's an opportunity to be like, Oh wow. Maybe my partner is my Oracle. Like maybe they're like, this is some stuff to look at. Maybe I don't need to keep on living out that wound or that pattern. And then it becomes this dance that way. If, if everyone's following, I'm just going to say it simply. We're connecting to ourselves intimately within our emotional experience. We're becoming more aware of that and everything we just said. We're able to witness it in someone else. Wow. And we can really, with our practice, hold space maybe for where they're coming from. Right, because you know, we have more practice in doing that because we're doing it for ourselves, and then we get to also see how some of their behavior or why why we brought them into our life is actually showing us about ourselves. So it's like starting with us, going to them, coming back to us. It's really cool if you want it to be that. Like that's the vulnerability which you spoke of. But just to really make it clear for the listeners. The vulnerability is doing that work and then, of course, sharing that work honestly and authentically with the person you're in partnership with. And this can be all different partnerships because truly it's my belief that all the beloveds in our life, you know, are here to teach us lessons. This is my belief to teach us things. So it's the relationships with the children or the parents or the pets even. The pets, I know. They teach us so much. exactly where my mind went, yeah. And then, as you said really beautifully – that ping pong back and then it just keeps spiraling right and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and richer and then you you know you get the the gourmet meal that's when relationships become nourishing relationships they become, become nourishing for us for our soul yeah. i mean it's proven that we need them to sustain ourselves even as physical human beings my son was telling me the other day mommy do you know that you need five acts of physical touch a day to live you know to survive and i thought that was just so beautiful and profound, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not the Mediterranean diet. That's supposed to be a big thing. I think it's just that Mediterranean people love to touch each other. That's making them. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so but, great. I love that. Touche. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying. Talk boundaries a bit. And, and I, I would love to even get into attachment styles a little bit, but we'll see if you want to go there or not, but let's go back to boundaries though. Cause I feel like where do boundaries come in? Cause that's also another really big buzzword it's personally it's a big buzzword yeah for me for sure like one of the main karmic lessons of my life so i'd love to hear you talk about boundaries and how to develop them within oneself or others and both you know in that dance of boundaries yeah yeah for sure yeah boundaries are so big which i love you know i love that i do love that some of these things have become like big in the popular consciousness now of course there's like 
lim- different understandings of what that could mean, right? Yeah. Like when, when other things become big. But it's nice that there's a lot of conversation around it. And I'll use this as a pivot because you, we talked about vulnerability. And vulnerability with others is it's vulnerable. I mean, it, it, it can be difficult, right? And what you brought up sharing, sharing our truth. And so many people in relationship, if it's with friends, family, partners, there's this like split often that comes up between living our truth, knowing our truth and wanting to connect. And often we're afraid to voice our truth in connection because we think that that will compromise the connection. And this is a core wound that many of us have lived out in our childhood or uh, parents, uh, family of origin, our childhood. So from that space, it's so important for people to practice consciously sharing their truth with others. And it necessitates relationships that create safety and support in our nervous system where we can do that. And it's not going to be everybody. Okay. So this will lead me to boundaries, right? So it's not going to be everybody. It's not going to be everybody. So for someone on a growth journey, on a relational journey, that's my one recommendation is how do well, I have many recommendations, but this is a big one. How do I bring people into my life? In, in yoga, they call this sangha, right? We're with, we're with people in community that talks about truth. So it's sort of aligned in a way. How can I be around people who I can know, I feel, and this is our practice, I feel like I can be held here. And this was hard for me because personally, I'm someone who is, I have been a people pleaser for many years and an over-functioner, which means like I do too much. Yeah. So I don't want to let people down. I want to maintain connection with everybody. I want to be everybody's best friend. I don't want to disappoint anybody. And so what that led me to do is also share my truth in ground that was not fertile to receive it. And one of the lessons for me was to become more, and this was the boundaries came in, is to become stronger in where I decide it's, this is sacred. My truth is sacred. It's my heart. Where to go deep and where not to go deep. And some, and this is my own stuff. I had some probably desire that if I could go deep with everyone, everything would be okay for me. You know, whatever my stuff is, my wound, everything will be okay. Finding those relationships and then really noticing the ones that are not able to, to meet you there and creating a boundary around that. And a boundary is interesting because people hear the word boundary and they think, oh, it's a perimeter. It's a block. It's a, it's a door or not a door. It's like a wall. But a boundary is actually connective. Boundaries are connective, everyone, are about connection. They're about, they're life-giving. It's like if you have a garden. If you have a garden, you need to create perimeters for the plants for them to grow. A certain amount of shade, a certain amount of closeness or awayness from another plant, a certain amount of water, and they're fluid, Sometimes you've got to change the boundaries. Like we had a heat wave. I had to change the boundaries for some of our plants. Mm. Okay. So boundaries are fluid. They're dynamic. And there are ways to connect from your space of truth. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Now, what about the listeners who are thinking, okay, how do I discern 
my authentic truth with some of my feelings, which may not be at the end of the day, the entirety of how I feel. Say I get angry. I live in anger about X, Y, and Z with someone, right? And then that's Mm -hmm. not how I feel truly all the time, right? But the emotions can be overpowering. So I'm curious, like, yeah, I mean, I love, I love what you bring up the, the overwhelming emotions from, Oh, what's authentic to me, you know? Cause like, totally. Yeah. And done rash things and then regretted them in relationship because they said, Oh my God, because it's another buzz term, my authentic truth, my truth set, right. That's also a big thing. And then, and this is a great question. It kind of goes back to the emotional awareness and intelligence, Because if we can learn to be with our emotional experience, so to be with it, again, is to not become it. It's not to push it down. It's not to distract away from it. It's not to overwork over it, which is what I like to do. It's to be with it and to hold it, right? We can probably see underneath our anger is another emotion. Usually anger is coming up from some other emotion, Mm-hmm. So we then maybe have some clarity to see that. Okay. And then, okay. So we're talking about a scenario. Someone makes you get you, well, I'm about to use a term that I tell everybody never to use. <laughs> makes me angry. Oh. <laughs> right. So, so this is a, a rephrasing that it's been hard for me to even get out of my system is impacts me in such a way that I feel angry. So we can start to go into that meditation and discover like, okay, what is underneath that? And then why am I angry? What is the dynamic with this person that is bringing up this anger and the emotion underneath of it? And maybe the story is around that because maybe there's a story about myself, conscious or unconscious. And the story might be, like say from my example I gave earlier, it might be why I have to please everyone, right? Or something, some sort of uh, story comes up. And then we start to decide Okay, this person is bringing up these aspects of myself with consciousness. What do I want to create? And maybe this is the authentic self that starts to come forward. What what is an integrity with me in relationship now? That emotion came up. There was a thing. I'm sitting with it. I notice where it came from. I notice it might come up again with this person. Is my integrity to just go back to that emotion? Probably after the uh, exercise you just did, it won't be. It will be what is an integrity. Maybe it means that's not an integrity with me. It brings up a story about myself that I'm reckoning with. There's something this person's showing me. Maybe I need to actually go deeper with this person. Or maybe no. Maybe that what they're showing me, I don't have the resource to reckon with. And it's showing me something, but in going into a relationship or dynamic with them, it actually is going to work against me being more in integrity. And so that's how you decide the boundary. And then to go back again to what your true authentic self is, is the process of when you, they call the self-regulation and kind of nervous system work, which is basically like meditation in an embodied sense. When I can be with this emotion, this feeling, this sensation, and I can notice the witness, as you said, or the self and tune in. What does the self want to express? Where, where is the self at? That's a practice. That's what I would call your integrity. Like, how do I want to show up or choice? 
So we could always even call it choice or self-growth or self-agency. Mm-hmm. What do I want? And you might not be able to change that person who's creating anger in you, but you can decide with all we just talked about, maybe there needs to be a different way of relating with this person. Maybe I only see them in this context. Maybe I only talk to them about these things. Maybe when I'm triggered by them, now that I know, I actually energetically walk away, which could mean I literally walk away or I energetically walk away. Yeah, that's really, really good. Can you, can you mention that about energetically? So what would that yeah. look like for you? You're in a room with someone and you energetically walk away. You know, for those who have been like, you know, in the healing world or like body workers or people like that, like it's the idea of like noticing what's happening and especially also, especially for empathic, which a lot of people in the healing world are, is to decide from within yourself that this energy here, uh, I'm not going to let in, right? I'm going to decide to be strong within myself and not let that energy in. And maybe that means bringing your conscious awareness to something else in the moment, yeah. right? Maybe that means that if my awareness is being brought here, brought here, maybe I go inward in myself, or maybe I go to something else in my mind or my heart. But that these, these things are really like subtle practices and they are, you talked about like the meditation mat into the world. They are such a crucible because they're like moment to moment. I mean, I went to a party the other day and someone said something to me and the way they said it, I went right into my default of like sort of apology, people pleasing like that. I mean, it was so quick and it wasn't a big deal. They didn't like say something really mean, but there was something that was a little confronting and I went back home And I noticed, I just spent time with what came up and how I would want to actually be. Yes. Right. Does that make sense? That's so crucial that, you know, when we're conscious livers of life, just what you said, you do these practices and it might be like, you know, you're with someone or you're in a situation that's triggering. And I love that practical tool and tip because I am a big fan of giving people really practical things to work with. And so one, like you said, you can direct, you can look at something else. You could stare at the plant in front of and totally. be, you can look around the room. Totally. You can be counting, you know, from 10 backwards. Yes. Yeah. You can breathe. I mean, breath or, or you could even close your eyes now, you, you might not be able to close your eyes for five minutes, but you can close your eyes for, for 30 seconds or a minute. You could just close your eyes and go, just that. Yeah. Just that. Breath. You could picture yeah, I, your energy eggshell bubble, which I've talked about here a little bit. And, and oh, I'm listen just, to that podcast. That sounds great. I'll have to take a listen. You can do that. There's so many different techniques you can do with energetic boundary work. But I love what you're talking about, too, because then, you know, we all are on this, you know, earth school planet, you know, and so we're all learning. And so sometimes we just even when we're, you know, practicing all the things like you and I, I mean, sometimes I laugh, like I feel like, like you said, go to party. And for me, that's like spiritual cardio. I'm like, you know, talking to the people and doing my boundaries and figuring out who's who. And you're like, like and so and then sometimes, you know, we might fall short in the sense of, you know, not acted and or responded in a way that we wished. And I loved how wise you said, and then to go back 
to a quiet moment to yourself and reflect and then visualize it because then you are actually creating a pattern and a synapse in your brain neurologically that will be wired as if it happened so that the next time you're in a similar situation, there's a higher probability that you'll act in the way that you wished to act. So thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, that's like the Joe Dispenza of people who have like looked into Joe Dispenza's work. He really emphasizes that, which I think is so powerful of a practice. I, some people are not visual people, but yeah, to go back into the moment and feel it because I wanted to feel, why did I just slip into that? Yeah. And why did it after feel like not aligned? Yeah. Beautiful. And then to visualize, yeah. Wh- how would I like to show up? And you know what? It's a practice. You might try it, how you want to, and it goes weird. And that's the vulnerable part. And that's where like shifting and acting out of our integrity isn't just, it isn't easy. In the world, it's going to take some ruffling feathers maybe. And some people with boundaries, to speak on boundaries some more, they go to one extreme because they need to claim it because they don't even know how would I act. So for you out there, Please, I recommend being experimental and exploratory and also self-loving and compassionate. Like when I didn't show up the way that I wanted to, there's a part of me that's a little self-critical, but I really tried to be with that part and say, okay, hey, this is just like you said, this is school. This is like the playground at school. Life is about learning. I'm at school. I can take that test again. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's okay to have fun with it a little bit. What I do with some people is if I'm trying to practice, I'll do this with clients. And if I do this with some of my friends from my own self, with close friends, is I also practice it. Or my wife, someone will help me. I'll do this with clients. I'll say, okay, why don't you practice that with me? I'm going to take the part of that person and we're going to move through this. How would you show up? And it might be like, oh, well, I'd no, feel it. I want to feel how you're going to show up. Let's get, as you said, let's get this in your synapses, in your muscle memory, because it's not there yet. It's so great. My dad is a psychotherapist. And so I grew up watching him do psychotherapy, which psychodrama, which is just what you're saying, right? That wow. reenactment. And it's so much, so, it's such a good practice. So thank you for reminding me and, and explaining it so well to our audience, how to do that. Perfect. Yeah, it's a great tool. And then- And when it comes to attachment styles, I mean, I know we could do a whole episode on just that, but you mentioned attachment theory. You mentioned attachment styles. Can you just speak briefly, which I know will be hard to do, but for those listening, if they're not clear what that is exactly. Yeah. There's some great people out there who write on it. You know, there's lots of great books you can look at. Stan Tatkin is one person who does some cool stuff on attachment science, but simply put, You know, so I talked about earlier how like our patterns of when we're young show up in relationship and they've done research that generally people show up in four ways. The three, there's three main ways, right? And the one way is the kind of goal that we're all looking for. And that's like a secure attachment, they call it. Okay. Or secure functioning relationship, which basically will just say means that like we're in a relationship where I can feel like I can be myself and be in connection. I'm safe. I'm supported. I'm seen for that to happen. That's something that we feel in our nervous systems. And it goes back to what I said before to find people in your life where you can really feel that in. Like if I say my truth, will this person shame me or is the relationship jeopardized? Or if when I say my truth, 
even if it's confronting, this person loves me. So secure functioning is one, secure attachment rather, secure functioning is practicing that. And then there's these two others and a third and a fourth. The two others are when we were in relationship with our caregivers when we were younger, for some reason, one of the caregivers, the main one, maybe the mother or whoever was the main caregiver, was not regularly there present with us. Okay. So I'm making this very simple. It's fabulous. And, and we need love as Kilkenny said earlier, like we need connection, physical connection. And when we're young, we literally need the connection of our mother or caregiver on our bodies to, to feel safe and feel seen and to have all these deep ways to survive, not just to to thrive in the world. And so that person is not present and we develop a way of bidding for their attention. So when they come back, we are fearful of losing them again So we have what they call an anxious style of attachment, which is like we want, we like go after like, hey, don't leave me. And that could be as a kid, that could be crying, that could be, you know, whining, that could be whatever it could be. And then the other style, the third there is the style of dealing with something that is in an attachment that is not always present. Our loved one is not always there. We instead say, this is not going to work out and I'm going to go on my own and give it to myself. Okay. So one is going towards desirous and anxiousness. The other still feels anxious, but we develop a way to deal with it by kind of removing ourselves from the situation to self soothe. And the secure functioning that I talked about, secure attachment, is when when we're young, we get the amount of attention we need and we also get freedom to be ourselves. We're we're able to be ourselves and we have the caregiver there attending to us, allowing us to feel safe to be ourselves and to be loved. The final one, which is not as common, is that it's such a dangerous, chaotic upbringing that there's a vacillation between anxious and the avoidant, which is the one where we're pulling away. And it's very confused because love was so tenuous. When I say love, I mean like connection that the person was like, I don't know how to find this. And maybe a love was abuse and then not abuse and then ghosting, like not being present, which is so it's just talking about it. It's very sad. It's very profound. And so to see these come up in our partnerships is important because we might be with someone and we get into a conflict. I mean, if you're in a partnership and you don't get into conflict, I would say there's probably something not wrong, but I would look into your partnership. Conflict is good. Conflict is necessary. It's how we do conflict. So when conflict does come up, oftentimes one partner has a specific style and the other has another style. And usually they are, at odds, right? So I'm more anxious. I like to say, let's talk about this now. I want to get this over with, right? I might continue, even though I know like this is not good. And my partner, she moves away from me when I do that, right? So she has the avoidance, the going on and self-soothing because it's too chaotic for her. And when she does that, what do I do? I go even more into being needy because I feel her distancing like a caregiver did. 
And so those things come up in most partnerships unconsciously. Sometimes they switch and flip. I'm not going to say that we're all of one because sometimes someone else can polarize another aspect. And if we had two different types of caregivers and that's a bunch of nuance there. Yeah. So this is real. I'll say one more thing before we riff on it a little bit that it's real important with dealing with conflict and how we dance, especially in partnership with space away from each other, space connected with each other and what that looks like. Yeah, it's so, so well put and very helpful, I think, to have that synopsis. So thank yeah. you. You know, you hear about attachment style and, you know, like you have, I have read books on it, but to have it be really clarified and put that simply, I think is really, really useful because then what you look for, as you stated, are for those patterns that you're seeing come up in your relationship. And really, again, it can come up with all your beloveds, with your parents, you know, even as a, a complete adult with your kids, with your pets, whatever. These things. Oh, these, yeah, for sure. Well, we get yeah. triggered. So if you know, you know, I think like you're saying, a lot of times in the romantic relationship, it is this exponential intensity because of the layers of that relationship that you can start to get to know yourself and say, oh, like you did so beautifully and thank you so vulnerably. Like, mm. oh, I tend towards feeling anxious. And then you can look at, oh, with my best friend or, you know, even with your meditation teacher or with my psychologist or with my, you know, whoever, fill in the blank, all the people. Because when you get triggered, when your nervous system gets unregulated, at least in my experience, so often you can trace it back to something in the way of your attachment experience. And like you said, it can be even subtly, you know, a couple, a mixture, you know, some people trigger one or the other, but it's an incredible helpful lens. So thank you so much. for Yeah. And and it's a great lens to also put in context to a lot of the other stuff that we talked about. And the goal is to notice that. And especially in primary relationships to fit, to have like, this is something I would teach clients is to have ways within which to move towards a secure relationship and secure really just means that we both feel safe and we won't as much default to those patterns. Like they may come up, but we're, the relationship allows for there to be a lot more connectivity and safety to be who we are. I think it's so beautiful about relationship is that also that dance between, I just using, like using the word dance with all this type of stuff for some reason, because it just reminds me of a beautiful dance, is the dance between our togetherness and our separateness. You know, and it's also a spiritual idea, like this sort of idea of like we are one or we are part of God or we are connection with God, whatever the frame is or your tradition is. But we also all are separate and what that synergy, that dynamic creates. Yes. And psycho spirituality, I feel like at its finest is that teaching, sharing and that recognition and ultimately practice and tool to honor maturely that it's both that it's not one or the other as you're saying right and that in this moment you know if i feel out of balance with this person does it have to do with stability and freedom anxiety avoidant or does it have to do with oneness versus individuality right those yin yang themes to think about and because when we feel out of balance or things are off, you know, they can be such great and I think really effective and laser sharp touchstones to, to be like, oh, wait, I'm feeling, you know, 
grumpy because I haven't had enough time just to myself. And I actually want to talk about that a little bit, please, as we begin to start to wind down the importance of self, because in my early years, I feel like I learned this lesson really young and I'm so grateful. And in my work with others, it's for sure comes up as something to share, which is how one's relationship, A, with oneself, in my humble opinion, B, with one's interior life is so crucial to having a solid foundation with all your other relationships. Yeah. Concur with that. I'm a big, I'm a big believer and big proponent of that. And it goes back to that, the thing we just talked about with the dance of being separate and connected for partnership, for other relationship. I think it's so, so important to have that space to ourselves as an individual, not as a way to run away which could happen sometimes unconsciously for some of us or to bypass, but as a way to then show up in more depth and for, for partners and those that are real close to us, it's imperative to have that. I think for the ecosystem of the relationship to grow strong, it's important to have time alone apart from our loved one time to, to explore ourself. If we go into like even the idea of like being codependent in a relationship yeah. This is a way to move away from that and create more mutual interdependence because we continue to claim and understand where we are at as an individual and bring that back into the weave and weft of being together instead of just getting together and getting kind of enmeshed in each other. It's true for other relationships too. So it's so important. And I think of it as sacred. And when I say sacred, even if you're not someone who's like of a spiritual bent, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, but Sacred, like, you know, there's, there's something really important about that. Like, let me not look at it as like, I need to get away. I need, I need some space. But like, this is some sacred time for me to be with me and whatever that looks like. And this is sacred time for my others to be for themselves. And then it's sacred when we come back together and we can yeah. honor both. Well, and that's it. And then it's so much more rich and juicy. And I feel like it's also a key component to longevity in a relationship. Because if you're in a yeah. relationship, like whether it's your sister, whether it's, you know, these long-term relationships we have, part of the, I love what you said. That's so brilliant about the ecosystem of the relationship. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to cite you and say that. Yeah, the ecosystem of a relationship, right, is the fecundity of having time to yourself and then growing from that soil of self. And then you come back and you're changed from it. And because you want to keep growing and you, then you see that person who had their own time and their own fecundity in the soil themselves. And then they grow a little bit and then you come back and then you realize, okay, you're both a little different. And how cool is that? How exciting is that? And you've had that space to become different. And then you are supporting yourself well, yeah. Yeah. on a journey that has a trajectory forward because so often I feel like yeah. with couples, right, they feel like they get stuck. You hear about that all the time, right? So, yeah, what do you have to say about that? So what you were just pointing out is, is from my point of view, that is, again, to go back to the meal. That's the beautiful meal of a relationship and it changes. You know, the chef, there's a new chef, right? There's a visiting chef for the restaurant. But a lot of couples – I'm sure not not many are listening to this podcast, but there might be some. It'd be nice to check in on this with your own self is that there's a fear that comes up. There's a fear, well, uh, what happens if things change? 
there's a fear of that growth. What happens if my partner grows and I don't, right? So what happens, unfortunately, is that some couples then become a little bit more based on fear. Fear might sound like an intense word. And they want to hold on to some dynamic instead of really saying what, what you're bringing forward is, wow, if we can grow and come back together. And what does that look like? To me, that's super exciting. Yeah, at times, crazy. I've come here and you're there. I don't, I, what is that going to look like? Sometimes confronting. Sometimes with certain relationships, that might mean that the relationship has had its course and that's okay. To me, that's all beautiful stuff. And it's what I would want to like, you know, nurture in others. But it does take reckoning with that vulnerability. Oh, if things change, what happens? Yeah. So. Really, really lovely. What are a couple other ways that we can water the seeds of our relationships? Yeah. I think it is real important to make sure that we have that time apart if we're in relationship, especially with the primary partnership. One thing that I like to teach is for, and it doesn't have to just be partners. It can be close loved ones, right? It could be children. It's actually a good opportunity to work with children is to have time where, again, I would call it a sacred time to really come together and consciously share because sometimes sharing comes out like in the busyness of life in weird ways. And there, someone's perfect, you know, it's, it's part of the dance. But to say we have a container once a month where we get together and I teach clients certain exercises to do this and we communicate through this certain listening exercise so that we are creating a new boundary on how we connect that can allow us to go deeper. Remember, boundaries are connective. The boundary being we don't talk like this during this time and we talk more like this. So that's something I really encourage in all of my clients to take that sacred time together. And some other tips that I would recommend for relationship. Well, I mean, in an intimate relationship, and even in ones that are not like intimate physically, mm-hmm. is to, pr- to practice intimacy. Again, why do we call it a practice? Does that sound boring? Like, uh, but to actually like become more aware and attuned to what it can be. And so one way we can practice intimacy with our loved ones is I mentioned one container that was about communication. And another one could be, I'm going to be with my loved one and we're going to sit next to each other and breathe each other. I'm going to breathe you and you're going to breathe me and then we're going to breathe at the same time. Or we're going to sit across from one another and we're going to put our hands on each other's thighs and we're going to breathe each other and we're going to gaze at each, other, at each other in the eyes softly and see what comes up. Now, you might think, well, this is only something I do with a partner. But I think it's also really important to practice how we show up physiologically in relationship. Because if we can come to a loved one with an openness and a receptivity, I'm like trying to do this in my seat right now on Zoom. I'm like kind of feeling into it. <laughs> with an openness and receptivity of our stance, of our heart, of our gaze. This is how we all, as when we were children, we talked about attachment stuff. This is how we became, we become securely attached is that mothers attune with their children physiologically and it makes them feel soothed. 
We can do this in our relationships. You can do it at the, the clerk at the drugstore down the street. You could take a moment and really just look them in the eyes and be totally present with them. Sometimes it's confronting for you. It might, it might feel a little edgy, but it's powerful. And I, could, I would even say that sometimes that's deeper than words, but that mm. can heal deeper than words. Thank you. Thank you. And you really closed a loop with tying it into the attachment and why it's so powerful because it is that eye gazing or that breathing together because like I have three kids and when they were little, you know, you just brought me right back, right? That it's mm. just, that's what you do as the mama. You're just yeah. you know, eye contact and even the breathing, like you're napping with them, you're sleeping with them, they're on you, you're nursing them, whatever. Or if you're a caregiver, you know, there, that's so much what it is. So thank you. Those two exercises are brilliant and really, again, threading it back to when we do these things with other adults or children in our life as adults or even pets. Oh, pets. For our nervous system is to put your hand on a pet and breathe. With totally. Them. That's why dogs are so healing yes. because you can literally be next to a dog and just breathe. And, and we all know they fe- you're feeling them energetically and they're, they often yeah. hold so much space for us. Yeah. Imagine bringing that into more of your human relationships or when we do it with a tree or in a plant, imagine bring that to a loved one. And then, as you said, bring it to a clerk. I mean, you bring it to the world. You can Every, bring it to the world. If everyone did that, the world would change because your yeah. experiences, I mean, that's been my experience doing that. So thank you for sharing that. And then the last point before we close up, I just want to make, cause I just loved so much what you said is doesn't that lead to more intimacy? you know, more sexual intimacy, more physical closeness with intimate partners, you know, when we do oh, yeah, yeah. spiritual and psychological things. Because often, I'm sure you hear, because you focus on relationships and supporting people, but I hear it, you know, in my readings and my coaching, just the, the dissatisfaction sexually, intimately, like that's that, that comes up a lot, right? And so often people are coming at it just from the physical as yeah, opposed totally. to the energetic and such. So do you feel like that? Yeah. I mean, I love what you're touching into. And, and that's something that's been big for me and my, my partner being my Oracle is like, you know, I just did like an Instagram reel about this. Like, you know, your partner's complaints, they're asking something of you obviously, but if we go deeper underneath of them, there's some Oracle that's showing you something about yourself that you're not present in a certain way that there's a need underneath that complaint that you can tune into in your partner and you can grow in yourself. And one of those for me was like being not present. And what you're talking about with the physical, with the physiological in terms of intimacy is so important because once we can really learn to be present, and when I say present, I don't mean just in our heads. I mean in the body and the heart with another person that's where intimacy and intersexual intimacy can really be explored. And it, and it means that it doesn't have to look like anything, right? Because hangups about sexuality, especially in longer term partnerships are like, after we get through the honeymoon stage is that like, you know, we kind of go, oh, how many times a week should we have sex? What should it look like? And how, but when we start at the basis of presence and at first it might just be like being with your partner and really drinking them in, not being on your phone, not being like really and slowing down your speech. And then next, the touch that I talked about, the breathing, maybe just laying naked next to each other and breathing each other. And just to explore where that goes 
it heals a lot of like sexual complaints and wounds. It brings a lot of, you know, talking about the ecosystem being watered, it brings a lot of growth. So I think it's super, super important. And there's a lot more there. I know we're winding down, but there's a lot more there that is a yoga that you can practice with your partner, meaning there are ways that you can modulate and make more artful and make more, not successful, because that's a bad term, make more exploratory and deep over time as things change in ourselves. Yeah, yeah well, it goes back to that word of sacred, like sacredity. And uh, to me, I yeah. love that word because so much about mysticism to me is making things sacred. And so you're you're speaking about that in, you know, relationship uh, yeah. and you know, sexually and, and, and all those realms, which again, it's a whole other podcast episode that yeah, like, it could be a cool one. Those, those things, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that is, are about being embodied can take us to the mysticism that, you know, if we do them in ways that are sacred and that to me is such a passion and a purpose. Yeah. Me. I mean, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm deep in bhakti. So, you know, that, that idea of, and that is making the mundane, the mystical, yeah. Right. Uh, transformative. And, 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 and it can be, it can be everything going even back to that clerk. I just keep on going back to that clerk in my mind because I get so my own head and my own agenda. Oh, I got to do here. I got to do this. Ah, 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 ah. And, you know, and it just, the moment of being with that clerk could just be like the moment of the, of connection that day. Yeah. So for me, and I'm, I'm saying this for the, for the listeners too, it's that reminder. Okay. Like there's a little bit of like zooming out to zoom in, right? Let me remember, wow, how sacred life is, how interconnected we are, how all the stuff we've talked about and really riffed on and, and, and just this moment of interaction is sacred. It's, it's like, it's beautiful. It's the most important thing of my day. Now that's a, that's a practice, but it's it's a potent one. Because we're in relationship and it's a perfect way to close with everyone, the, the worker who's the cashier, the this, the that, like, right. It's just the one-on-one and the one-on-one and the you and me and the you and me and right. And so all throughout our day, we dance, as you said in that metaphor and we eat because I'm a foodie too. Yeah. We we get nourished. We get nourished. Nourished from all the relationships, the one that seem insignificant that totally aren't if we move towards them in sacredity and the ones that we know are. So thank you for that. Yeah. So much more. I love to talk about. This is a great conversation. Thanks for your questions. Absolutely. Is there like a 30 second, I don't know, benediction or anything you want to offer or breath practice or just visualization or just, just like a brief something that you want to close with? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Uh, on the note of what we were just talking about, you know, there's a lot of options that I could bring forward, but maybe we could have the listener, as long as they're not driving, um, close their eyes and in just a natural deep breath, let's just start to deepen our breath. Nothing like overly complicated. And we're going to imagine that our, and you might have some beliefs around this or like your own practices about aura or about chakras or about energy, but just sort of like a tune into a color of your vibration, you know, like your essence right now in this moment. And from this place of really tuning in, I'm going to invite you in your mind's eye to 
zoom out almost like you're in a bird's eye view and start to notice around you all the other pulsating colors of life. Right, so notice that you are pulsating here in this color. And then all around you, there, there's all, and you can be just imaginative with the colors. This is a sort of a real open meditation. And I am going to invite you next to kind of notice how interconnected all those colors are. Like if you were going to start to move and move towards this other vibrating color of a being like what that creates, maybe it creates its own color. Maybe it's a combination of yellow and blue and creates green. And then maybe that green connects to someone else, right? Because that person then connects to someone else. And so there's this whole map, if we kind of zoom out, of how, how we show up and when we tune in, how it affects other people and then how they affect us. And so just notice that. And the reason we're zooming out is that because this type of work, you know, it's practical in the day-to-day, it's powerful, it's mystical, it's loving. But I also have the belief that it's like changes the world. Right? If we can show up with more consciousness with our relationships, that includes boundaries, we can actually have a lot of positive change. If we can fully like show up and, and, and see someone and hold them in our, in, our, in our embrace, just so to speak, allow them to be seen, that creates so much healing in the world. So just notice then from that space how that color sort of shift of all these beings can kind of like spread out, 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 outward from one person as they meet someone else and connect and then they connect and they connect. It's like a patchwork. And then finally from that zooming out, we'll just come all the way back into ourself, right? So now we're going to go back in and we're going to create like a nice, like inner boundariness. We're really, really inside of our own self and we can feel the difference. We can feel that just being in the self. And then we'll just reflect. We'll reflect on that dynamic of being really here just with me, my own self, separate from all. And then what just happened, that beautiful, like energetic expansion and connection with other beings. And then whatever it is for you that came up there, like what showed up if it was a need to to create a boundary, if it was a need to, to show up differently, if it was a call to action or a call to heart, whatever showed up, just be with that right now. Breathe into that. Now we'll just bring our hands to our heart. We can bring our right hand on our heart and our left hand on our heart and kind of seal whatever came up, whatever even just came up while listening to this podcast, whatever was invited, whatever was inviting you forward into and we'll just seal it by breathing space into our heart, right? The seed of our soul, the space of our wisdom, the inner guide. And then we'll just blink our eyes open. Thanks so much, Kilkenny. I appreciate your time. Thank you for that. That was a gourmet meal. So that was really a gift for our listeners. Yeah, that's kind of like taking all the 
ways we talked about connecting with ourselves and others just in a very simple visual that people can move into. It was really, really juicy. Really, five-course meal, five-star meal. Thank you. So (laughs) where can folks find out about you and your profound work in this world? So I uh, have an Instagram that I post on quite a bit. So there's lots of great tools and videos and lots of great content that you can learn from. So if you just want to learn a lot of stuff, that's at empowerconnection.me. And that's also my website, empowerconnection.me, where I have lots of offerings for individuals, for couples, and, and everything else I do, workshops, trainings, etc. And then I also have a podcast of my own, which I think you'll be a guest on sometime soon. And, and, and that's called the Empower Connection Podcast. Those are some of the best places to check out my work. I'll be having a YouTube channel being built out pretty soon as well. Fantastic. Well, Damodar is very generously offering all my monthly Mystic members a 20% off individual and or couples coaching with him. So if you aren't a Mystic member yet, support yourself with my scintillating membership that has over 100 yoga alignment-based videos, Mm. that has meditation videos, that has uh, all sorts of short tutorials on working with your energy, developing your intuition, developing your psychic abilities, learning about astrology, learning about tarot, basically all the things. So check that out at modernmystic.love. And also then you can get 20% off coaching session with Damanor. So Damanor, thank you for joining us today and for sharing truly so much wisdom, so much embodied grace and profound tips and tools. I'm so happy that you came on. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And hopefully this is a value to your listeners. And thanks for all you do with your work and your podcast platform. It's so, so life-giving and so, so needed. So thanks, Kilkenny. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up level yourself as you become the next version of you. 
Not to mention my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic Podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.